Welcome back to Masters of the Cultureverse. I'm your friendly neighborhood blurred, Caleb Edward Edley, here as always with the invincible Clay Stroman. How you doing, Clay? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. We are doing our rewatch of The Boys. We are on episode six, The Innocents, written by Rebecca Sonenshine, directed by Jennifer Fang. Ladies, stand up. We got some representation. Two women, a writer and a director right there. That's awesome. Let's go. You don't see that very often. No, no. And it's it's a little surprising for the show, I guess. Why is that? I don't know. Because I guess because of how like how like violent and like dark it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I like it. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got my first trivia fact based on the innocence. The title of the episode is the title of issues forty through forty three of the comics. The summary. This summary is great. Super in America, parentheses, 2019. Vought Studios, genre, reality. Starring Homelander, Queen Maeve, Black Noir, The Deep, A-Train, Starlight. So the, the summary uh, this week is like a um, like if you were choosing a movie on Netflix or something. So you said this one's great. I think it's the worst one yet. I thought it was kind of funny. It's a little cheeky. It seems like, I don't know, it seems kind of cheap. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely cheeky, for sure. This is all very cheeky. Right. But the rest of them, I feel like they just give us more. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, we don't get shit from this one. We Super in America. We, what the fuck does that mean? It's okay. I still like it. It's cheeky. You cheeky, right. you cheeky bastard. That was my butcher impression. Okay, butcher. <laughs> I think he would have said cheeky cunt. He would have or twat. You're always calling people cunts and twats. Or as he as he says to Huey, you're a good cunt. You're good. <laughs> yes, that was a good line. All right, we're going to jump into this synopsis. A Vought Industries promotional video titled Super in America is shown to Courtney. The video introduces the seven, showing kind acts they have done with underprivileged people. Courtney, it, the reason it's throwing me off is because this is spelled really stupidly. It's For no reason. Yeah, C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. And they never say her name in the episode. I don't remember hearing her name at all. I know they who do. they're talking about. They do say her name? Okay, they do. I stand right corrected. Yep, and I had subtitles on, so they said it. I saw it come up on the subtitles first, and I was like, what are they about to say here? And uh-huh. he was just like, Courtney. But it's spelled okay. stupidly like this in the subtitles as well? Yeah, it's like, it's obnoxious. It seems like a very vaught way to spell Courtney. Real fucking stupid. Anyway... Courtney, however, is very critical of the video, saying that it's supposed to be for support of their presence in the military. And I just wrote this as such a cringy and corny video. It kind it's of really stupid. We've got A Train running with like wounded warriors in wheelchairs. <laughs> right. I I really love uh, the swing with with supposedly translucent on it. Obviously, he's not there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's dead, but <laughs> just, they just it's just they just push the swing, and they're like translucent across the screen. <laughs> Uh, and then Starlight's just says like uh, to be recorded or, or some shit like that. It, it's yeah, it's like to be filmed. Starlight doing what does it say? Starlight at Starlight connecting with normal humans or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, this video is just very cringy, very cringy. Um, Starlight and Huey participate at the local pub quiz. Local pub quiz. It's trivia night at the fucking bar. Huey's friend Anthony joins them. Uh, if you guys haven't realized, I don't read these synopses before uh, we record. I just kind of copy and paste from the wiki, and I put my notes in as I'm watching the show where they go in the thing. But um, I 
so I get surprised sometimes. That's it. I thought I'd share. It's, this is a little behind the scenes for you guys. What was surprising here? The pub quiz thing? Pub quiz, yeah. Instead the, of instead of trivia? Yeah. Local pub quiz. You ever said that? You ever said local pub quiz? No, but I also don't call bars pubs. True. True. Do you call anything a pub? Have you ever referred to a pub? Have you like I'm going I'm going to go to that pub over there. So, if it's an if it's an Irish pub, yeah. I mean, it sounds it seems natural and we, we have those here and there. We've got one of those down here. Yeah. So, I guess I guess I have referred to an Irish pub as an Irish pub. But you wouldn't just say I'm going to go to the pub quiz. Get a pint down the pub. Uh, we we should start saying that. I'm gonna start saying that. Be a, be annoying as fuck. That would be annoying. I said it myself just now. You, I mean, have, you haven't even heard you say it, and I'm right. already annoyed by you. Hey, it's doing its job. Honestly, Starlight and Huey participate at the local pub quiz. Huey's friend Anthony joins them. Anthony reveals certain stories from Huey's past to Starlight, much to his embarrassment. Anthony admits he has been worried about Huey since Robin's death. However, Huey deflects, saying that he wanted a fresh start. And then, I mean, Anthony says something about her about Starlight um, being out of his league or something. It's just like a cute little moment with friends. What What's the uh, purpose of this Anthony guy? Um, I think the purpose of Anthony is to show. All right, so we er, in a, a few episodes ago we saw that Huey's dad was worried, but that was it. But now we're seeing Huey had other people in his life besides his dad that he's given up on who also cared for him or cared what he was doing. So we're seeing his detachment from his old life, really, which I think is especially um, shown because he's with uh, his new girl. He's with Starlight. So we see his detachment from his old life. Then his old life comes in. We see Anthony. We get these stories. So we get a little backstory. See, like, they actually were friends. It's not just, like, some guy who barely knew him showing up. And, um, yeah, I think that's the main bits of it. It's just showing Huey's uh, pivot towards what he's going for now as opposed to where he was. Dude, that was an incredible answer. Thank you. Like my that's like that's where I like basically was. <laughs> yeah. Like on it. I uh. wanted to hear like your take on it and that was phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I do what I can. Mother's Film studies will do it to you. Sometimes. Mother's milk reveals to the boys information he has found about shipments of compound v he reveals that the samaritans embrace is a company bankrolled by vaught industries that ships the compound to hospitals around the u.s he reveals that no soup is born simply injected with compound v as a baby butcher admits that they have many charges to take to rainer uh butcher says something about starlight's phone hack not working anymore and we see cute uh huey he's like oh I, i don't know anything about that so we, we see he's probably disabled the, the phone hack, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that they say Butcher admits that they have many charges to take to Rainer. Like, he was excited about that. He's like, yeah, we got a lot of shit on these guys. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't something he was, like, admitting. I admit that we do have... I, I admit we have a lot of charges we could bring on these cunts, yeah? These twats. Yeah, that wasn't and, Butcher um, at all. If this scene happened in the last episode, it would have been a confession. Yeah, yeah, true. But it didn't, so it's innocent. But it, but it didn't, so it's just an admission. <laughs> At Seven Tower, Starlight approaches Stillwell's office just as she hears the last words of Ashley Barrett being fired due to Starlight's Believe Expo breakdown. Ashley tells Starlight that it was her idea to book Starlight for the Believe Expo because it would play to her base. 
Starlight meets with Stillwell, who expresses her anger that Starlight isn't following the rules, perhaps that she has been influenced by Queen Maeve's reckless history. Starlight refuses to obey Stillwell, demanding that she be allowed to save people and follow her own rules. Stillwell contemplates firing Starlight. However, Starlight threatens that firing her will tank Vought Industries' stock price, considering that she just proclaimed to be a victim of sexual assault. She also threatens to reveal that it was the Deep who was the perpetrator. So, uh, a lot of things here. Uh, can I make a quick comment? Yeah, man. So, I quickly glanced up at my screen as you were reading that last sentence. Mm -hmm. Actually, the last word of that last sentence. Mm -hmm. And I thought the word on my screen was penetrator. <laughs> Ah, uh, no, perpetrator. Which, which, it, it, I mean. It fits. It's not wrong. No, no, but. Maybe that's just me. Get your mind out of the gutter, John B. I guess the mind sees what it wants. So I really like the, <laughs> <laughs> on another note, I really like the, um, the analogy that Ashley, the agent, gives Starlight uh -huh. about, you remember that girl from Pledge Week who, you wanted to take under your wing because she, you know, was like shy and right. this, this and that. You wanted to show her the ropes. And then as, as soon as she actually became a sister, she stabbed you in the back and got you kicked out of the house. <laughs> like, I can't imagine Starlight has any idea what any of that means. Right. But this sounds very, it sounds too specific to not have happened to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, she was probably, she was probably that shy pledge. Oh, you think she was the shy pledge? I thought she got stabbed in the back. You can you can hold that belief. I'm gonna go the other way with it. All right, leave a comment. Maybe on our Instagram, maybe, what you think. Go ahead. Maybe like a lot of things in a recent episode of ours, it's just a little bit of both. <laughs> just a little bit of both. She make sure yourself in the back. Make sure you listen to all of the Masters of the Cultureverse so you know exactly what reference Clay is talking about. But yeah, I wrote, we get to see the real Ashley. She's not sugarcoating anything anymore. She's not like, oh yeah, and that's why we love you. And she's like, fuck you. You just got me fired. Mm -hmm. And, and I, then Stillwell, whenever Starlight goes in there, she's like, actually, it was mutual. She wanted to pursue other opportunities and we gave her the go ahead. Right, exactly. <laughs> I wrote, these Vought people talk to heroes like, like the heroes couldn't just murder them in an instant. Like the way she's talking to Starlight here, I'm like, if Starlight wanted to, she could just, like, fucking blow your brain. Right. I mean, she knows that Starlight doesn't want to, though. Sure, but I... She wouldn't not... talk to... You know who she wouldn't talk to like that? Homelander? But she kind of does, doesn't she? A little bit. Mm, I, I don't know that we've seen Ashley and Homelander interact. Oh, I'm not talking about Ashley. I was talking about Stillwell in this moment, but I, uh, I see what you, you mean. Like, you're talking about the sorority thing again. But yes, yes, that... I think... I Well... Well, Stillwell, I don't think, has any issue talking to Homelander in any way because she's his little horny baby boy. <laughs> Can I get that on a t-shirt? <laughs> Be my little horny baby boy. <laughs> but I also wrote that Starlight knows how to play the game. We see her flip it. She's like, oh, yeah, your, your, your uh, stock is going to tank here if you fire me right after I just admitted getting sexually assaulted. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think you're going to do that, right? So... We see her playing the game a little bit, which I like. She's Starlight, she's not stupid. Yeah, Starlight is learning how to play the game. She's kind of coming into her own a little bit. Right. But but not in the sense where she's like a douchebag like the other heroes. She's playing the game so that she can be a hero, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Deep and A-Train film their respective parts of the promotional video. A-Train is questioned about knowing Popclaw. However, he replies that he hasn't seen her in years, which we know is a lie. 
Yeah, but I mean, you would expect him to say something like that. Of course, because and and it's it's obviously you know probably pretty clear that whenever he told Popclaw that Stillwell gave him the go ahead in the last episode to go public, that's obviously not true. Right. That was just his last ditch effort to see who she gave the compound V to. His last douche effort. Oh, I like that last douche effort. Yeah. I want that on a shirt too. <laughs> We're making t-shirts for everything. We need to start making some merch for this shit. Yeah, we do. We're going to sell it it's to all shirts that say really stupid stuff. Hey, sometimes that sells. Well, yeah, I know. So we should do it. Make some money. You put them in like Spencer's or something. Oh, yeah. Love Spencer's. Big Spencer's guy. They're <laughs> actually big fans of the podcast. Spencer's, <laughs> we could not do it without you. Thank you, Spencer's. Without your beer bongs and dildos. Spencer's found in every failing mall in each city in America. Mm-hmm. Queen Maeve runs into Starlight at Seven Tower. Starlight admits that she was a fan of Maeve as a child wanting to be exactly like her, having memorized much of her autobiography. Now she assumes that it was more likely written by marketing. So we, we see kind of like who Starlight's hero was growing up and, and all that. Mm-hmm. But she's also realizing that that probably those things probably didn't happen. It was probably just the marketing guys, right? She's big jaded. Yeah. Not totally jaded, though, just with uh, Maeve, right? Well, I mean, she's big jaded on the whole Vought Sure. Scenario, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah all yeah. of it. Like yeah. she's, but she's not Maeve level jaded yet. No, no, no. But yeah. she's she's getting there pretty. She's getting there probably faster than anybody ever has. Right, right. Maybe it's because she was so wholesome and um, innocent. I think so. Yeah. Frenchie questions what mother's milk really thinks about the female. Frenchie reveals that they could use the help of a soup, mesmer, to get information from the female. M.M. initially refuses, but Frenchie is able to get him to agree to the idea. We got that great ice cream analogy from Frenchie when he's telling... telling. Yeah, he's all about these analogies. And a lot of them have to do with food. Yeah, yeah. So whenever I I mentioned the egg thing that he said in the last episode, Mm -hmm. I was picturing the ice cream thing in my mind, too, because this guy, he's just got such a way with words, this man. Right. But that that analogy, I was like, damn, that hits home. He's like, uh, you try to take another scoop to even it out, but then you make another divot, and you just have to keep going and going and going. Dude, so it it hit, like, too close to home, almost, I feel like. Yeah? Like, I'm the same exact way. You try to even out your ice cream pints? Well, I mean, I, I end up eating, like, the entire pint of Ben & Jerry's that first night because it always ends up so uneven. Mm. What's your go-to Ben & Jerry's uh, flavor? Okay, so so I've got a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Half-Baked. That's kind of a classic. That's a good one. Um, low-key, I'm a low-key milk and cookies guy. Oh, like, okay. I like the standard cookie dough, like chocolate chip cookie dough. Mm-hmm. But milk and cookies is, like, creamier. Mm. It's, like, mixed up more. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? I'm not a huge Ben and Jerry's guy because most of their flavors are like rich kind of chocolatey type flavors, but I'm more of a fruit ice cream kind of guy. Like I like my like berry kind of flavors. You know what I mean? Are you, are you a strawberry ice cream guy? I do like strawberry ice cream. Like, um, there's an ice cream place here called Kilwins. Shout out to Kilwins. You guys are great. I love you. If you want to hop on the pod one day, let me know. We'll let you on. But they have a, um, a, a very berry flavor, and I always get in a waffle cone. It's uh, strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, and like that's like my shit, especially in the summer. I don't know. I'm, j- I'm just really big on the fruit. 
That sounds like a good summer ice cream. Yeah. And and you're right about Ben and Jerry's. A lot of it is like very rich. Yeah. I mean, it's not Cold Stone level rich, but right, it's up there. But it but it's not the French uh, the French. I was reading Frenchie. It's not the fruity stuff that I that I like. Right. But we do have a trivia fact. Frenchie identifies mother Mil- mother's milk's most enduring idiosyncrasy as his obsession with order and detail, which stems from his background in the military. Laz Alonzo, who's the actor, says he also embodies similar characteristics in real life. Whenever he visits friends' houses, he finds himself unable to resist the urge to start cleaning. So he'll just start cleaning his friends' houses. And um, I say, Laz, come on over to my house and you can clean to your heart's content. We could use it right now, too. Yeah. So, um, and, and by the way, this, uh, this ice cream analogy absolutely gets this guy. Yeah. Like, like he doesn't even really think about not playing along after he hears that. He's like, well, damn, you got me <laughs> for real. <laughs> That's me. Butcher and Huey attend an ACDS meeting, a meeting between people who have experienced collateral damage incidents with soups. Butcher uses his, uh, this to convince Huey to think otherwise of Starlight. And ACDS is the Association of Collateral Damage Survivors. And we see Seth, our marketing guy in there, right? I love that. I love that we brought this guy back. He yeah. was so funny a couple of episodes ago, and now we realize that there's a little bit more to this guy. Well, actually, there's a little bit less to this guy, physically. <laughs> Ooh, ouch. You know what I realized this guy is in? Um, What? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had something. Because because I have a show that like I remember this guy from just like rattling around in my brain right now and I can't think of it. Just it is me. the very last episode of The Office. He is new Stanley. You're right. Yeah. He is new Stanley. He's like, uh, Phyllis, I love your cookies or brownies or whatever it is. I think it's cookies, but she's trying to fatten him up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. But my other note here is just like Butcher really hates soups. Like he really hates them. Like hates them so much that he's yelling at these victims because they're trying they to hate them. Yeah. It's it's a little much. It's not healthy. Yeah, I also think it's it's really interesting to see like like the real world kind of like consequential side of this stuff. Like that woman who she who saved her? Was it Lamplighter or something like that? I can't um, I can't remember off the top of my head. She was like, Well, at least he saved me. I just wish he would have been a little bit more careful with my spine. Right, right. Um, and it, it's interesting to see this because, like, in comic books and stuff, uh, like, if, even in Avengers movies and shit, we don't ever see, I will say Civil War, but we don't really see the collateral damage that happens when the superheroes are doing their superhero thing, right? It's just... That's more of a DC thing. Yeah. Like, Batman versus Superman, that was, like, the whole plot of the movie. Well, sure, sure, sure. But I'm talking, like comic book we don't really see right collateral damage that much yeah yeah it's interesting i mean if you imagine like a train or like the flash saving somebody Mm -hmm. like saving somebody from a burning building at the speed of light you know the flash has to stabilize this person's entire body exactly which i was gonna say i like that like the new x-men movies with uh evan peters and in his quicksilver he always grabs the neck which is a nice touch so right a nice touch, that tender touch to the neck. Exactly. Gives you a little shiver sometimes, right? Right down your spine. At seven I wish t- he would have been more careful with my spine. <laughs> At Seven Tower, Stillwell tells the Deep he is going to take a break from the Seven and makes a public apology before people begin speaking out about the Deep. 
He expresses his dismay, but films the apology video nevertheless, admitting to the public that he thought the incident with Starlight was consensual. And I wrote, this reminds me of those I take responsibility videos with all the white actors that they did. Um, when you could tell that they were like reading from their computers. Who was in it? Sarah Paulson was in it. Um, Jesse Pinkman was his name. Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. Um, Aaron Paulson. Aaron Paulson. That's the, that's the combination of those two. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it reminded me of those just kind of like not very like trying to be sincere, but like we can tell it's kind of. Shit, I mean, right? he wasn't trying. He wasn't like actually trying, right? Right. He was trying to doing what you think people sincere, expect. You. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Um, but we see Seth Rogen. Yes. Yeah, we do. And um, he talks about the VCU, the Vault Cinematic Universe. Yes, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, always good to see. Yeah, that they're guy. just like us. They are. Mother's Milk meets with Mesmer, a soup has been seeking an audience by uh, by signing autographs at a comic book convention. He reveals that he is aware that Mesmer has his telepathic skills to profit from insider training, trading, not training, trading. He allows Mesmer to look inside his head, revealing who he is. MM takes Mesmer to see Cleo, his estranged teenage daughter, and promises to be in her life more. He is saddened when she reveals she doesn't really know him. Mesmer agrees to the deal of being allowed to see Cleo every week in exchange for him reading the female's mind. And my only note here is more Billy Zane. We see him at that comic book convention or whatever kind of convention it yeah, was. Yeah, he's sitting but, right next to Mesmer. Yeah. God, so this... he's, still, he's still milking his part in this movie with Popclaw, which happened X amount of years ago. Right. I mean, what can you name the most recent Billy Zane movie? And don't say Terminal Beauty 3. Uh, oh, shit. I was going to. Um, the Mummy. Was he in that? Um, like the Tom Cruise mummy? No, no, I did not see that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the mummy. He's in the mummy? Pretty sure he's the bad guy. Imhotep? I think so. No. No? No. No, mm. Clay. No. Dude, Billy Zane was in the mummy. He might be, but he's not Imhotep. Oh, yeah. Wasn't in the mummy. All okay. right. He was not in the mummy. But a lot of people, dude. Again, with you remember last time when I was like, he played Lex Luthor at one point. <laughs> yes. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh no wait, he just went bald and everybody wanted him to play Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. So, as I'm look, I type in Billy Zane mummy, and a lot of people think he was in the mummy, but he wasn't. Apparently. That's one of those weird Mandela effect things. Like um. Like that uh that Sinbad movie. He's oh a, yeah, a genie that doesn't exist, dude. We did a deep dive on that. I'm not gonna get into it too much, but me and my roommate did a deep dive into that recently, mm-hmm. and we discovered that there was like a very short run show where he was a genie, and it's been like wiped from history because it ruined his career. I don't know if I believe that, but I don't have enough don't research to dispute either, you. And I did a lot of research on it. Okay, I'll I'll do my own. I'll do my own research, and we'll we'll compare notes. Have you heard of that Unsolved Mysteries show on Netflix? Yeah, we watched it all. It's great. Okay, so they need to do an episode on that Sinbad genie, whatever it is. <laughs> then they would solve the mystery. No, those, what? They, They're unsolved, bro. They're unsolvable. You just want to hear about that movie and how people think it exists, but it doesn't? Yes. Okay. One of the world's great mysteries. <laughs> Moving on. Billy 
Butcher, not Zane, reveals information about his late wife to Huey, including the fact that Homelander raped her. Billy reveals that nobody has seen her in eight years. Butcher theorizes that either Homelander killed her or she killed herself. Billy uses the talk to remind Huey who his friends and who his enemies are. And um, uh, I have a quote here from Butcher. It's not like one of his like cool quotes. It's just a quote that gives us some information from a couple episodes ago. He said, my wife, Becca, used... Do you hear my dog? Faintly. Oh, Boston, she was barking. I think the pizza's here. Anyway, she said, my wife, or Billy says, my wife, Becca, used to hum the Spice Girls. And now we know why he knows so much about the Spice Girls from a few episodes ago when he was comparing mm-hmm. the boys to the Spice Girls. It's because that's like yeah. something he's latched on, which I thought that was a very good, like, that's a nice touch. Yes. This this episode is all about nice touches. So many nice. Th- I think I'm going to retitle the episode from the innocence to nice touch. Nice touches you're right nice touches multiple nice touches um and yeah i've got a very uh related thing to say about that as well go for it billy zane was in the scorpion king not the mummy oh okay with the rock right that was a mm-hmm. shitty movie okay easy straight to video or dvd or no no, no. the sequel was oh the the actual scorpion king was in theaters i don't know man that was so long ago i'll believe you <laughs> i believe it you. was i'll believe you that's fucking Okay, it's a great movie. We love the Scorpion King. I'm just talking out of my ass this episode, but he was in the Scorpion King. Okay, well, that's probably why you thought he was in The Mummy, because that was like a spinoff. Well, no, that, that is the reason why. Okay, that's the reason you thought he was in The Mummy, because it's like a spinoff. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Homelander meets with Stillwell to explain his dismay about the promotional video in which he pretended that he was visiting the house he grew up in. Stillwell uses Homelander's sexual attraction to her to convince him to finish the promotional video. Yeah, I don't think we talked about it, but he found a blanket. Excuse me. <clears throat> he found a blanket, and he got real pissed off, and um, they fired. What was his name? Uh, something Set Deck. Well, they just called him. They had a, He had a first name, though, but I know why they called him Set Deck, because he was a set decorator. But Right. Randy Set Deck, I think is what it was. Was that what it was? I think so. I just like that they kept referring to him. As, Randy Set Deck has been fired. Randy Set Deck. He's like, they say, uh, or he was like, who put this fucking blanket here? Right. Oh, yeah, that was Randy Set Deck. <laughs> okay, which one of you was Randy Set Deck? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, so he finds that blanket and he gets really pissed. And then here in this scene, um, we see Stillwell kind of calm him down, let him. Is it Randy? It's Randy. Yeah. <laughs> okay where's randy set deck um but yeah i mean so obviously this blanket has brought up some kind of we don't know what it probably just reminds him of that damn baby that he hates so much (laughs) because it's a baby blanket Uh, mesmer attempts to read the female's mind however it brings up such raw emotional memories that she inadvertently breaks his wrist Mesmer insists that the session is off. However, M.M. is able to convince him to stay. Billy calls M.M., questioning his whereabouts. He initially lies, but Billy calls him on it, revealing that his phone is uh, is being tracked. I like that um, M.M. tells Mesmer to go walk it off. He's like, it's a fucking broken wrist. (laughs) Right. Um, I also like how it's Haley Joel Osment. Right. And it's reminiscent of The Sixth Sense. Do you think that's why they cast him in this role? That's my headcanon now. Did you think about that before? I didn't. I just thought, wow, Haley Joel Osment, he, he let himself go. So they're like, we've got this clairvoyant dude. Who should we get to play him? Who was that kid that was in The Sixth Sense that like saw dead people? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a uh, trivia fact here. As viewers can see from the poster on his wall, Mesmer published an album of his own solo music during his teen years. It was aptly called Feeling Your Feelings. Nice. So. I like to think it's like like a white guy R&B album. <laughs> can I get an example of what an, a white... Is, does this exist right now? Does somebody have a white guy R&B album that you can think of? Um... I don't know. Post Malone, but it, that's more drugs than anything. <laughs> I don't know if you could call that R&B. No, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't categorize that as R&B. Do what? I would not categorize that as R&B. No, I, I wouldn't either. I just I can't. I don't know. I get, Justin Timberlake? No, it's pop. He's got some R&B. Pop. Maybe old Justin Timberlake was uh was R&B. Um in sync? No, no, not that old. A little a little little newer than that. Like his first couple albums like Crimea river and shit that's what i was thinking that's the song that came to my mind yeah elena shows up at the filming of mave's promotional video mave tries to have a moment alone with elena but the film crew secretly keep recording elena questions why she hasn't replied to her messages mave insists that she was just looking for a hookup however elena can tell that she's lying i like that chelsea was like oh no we were just setting up for the next shot we weren't recording. It was mm-hmm. quite comedic. Very well played. Butcher arrives at Mesmer's house, declaring that they have to kill Mesmer now, but M.M. refuses. Trying again to read the female, Mesmer reveals the female was a terrorist before being captured. This saddens Frenchie, who refuses to believe it. Um, we see Homelander grab his blanket, and we get a flashback of him in a clean room looking place being observed. Um, I don't think that was in the original... Uh, synopsis but i thought it was important enough to put it in there um what happened with the blanket uh he gets it he look he gets it out of the trash can and we we see that flashback of him as a baby in like clean oh, yeah. room environment mm-hmm. right right so we know because he we know this isn't his house because he's already stated this isn't his house but we also see that he didn't really have parents he's in He's in a clean room environment, so we don't really... We're getting more of his backstory, but we still don't know what's going on, right? Yeah, yeah. So he he was this isolated, like, kind of lab rat baby. Yeah. And I liked how in the room they had a a target, like a human-shaped target, and it had burn marks on it from the eyes. Right, Good, good. um, Uh, They weren't very accurate either, which... Well, he's carries a, over he's to a, the present day. Yes, that fucking he has no control over what he does with those cockpit. Things. Huey questions why Vault would give Compound V to terrorist, with Butcher deducing that Vault is crafting super super villains to justify getting the Seven into the military. After pleading by Frenchie, the female shows Mesmer memories from her past. When she was young, her parents were killed. She and her brother were kidnapped and forced to be soldiers. He reveals that she wants to save her brother. So we see like. Yes, she's a terrorist in, in parentheses, but she was a child soldier, essentially. She was kidnapped and forced into um, that terror terrorist group. Yep. yep. And she just wants to get her brother out of there because he's still over there. That's all she wants. I wonder if she could talk back then. You, you got to think that she could, right? Right. You got to think she can still talk, but she's just like so traumatized maybe that she's gone mute. We'll probably hear her say something at some point. I hope so. You know who's going to get her to talk. Frenchie? Yeah. Of course. Obviously. We see the deep pumping gas and his half-ass apology, and a woman throws something through his window and shouts, fuck you, fish dick. 
<laughs> I just love that. That's a great, so that's a great line in and of itself. And then his response is great too. He's, he's like starting to be changed at this point, right? He's mm-hmm. now, he's now, I respect women uh, deep mm-hmm. or Kevin. Right. And uh, his response is, hey, continue to speak your truth. Uh, that's funny. We got a trivia fact here. Despite being an eco-warrior, the deep drives a gas-guzzling Hummer. Hypocrisy much? <laughs> yeah. I've Oh man. Was there ever a time in your life that you wanted a Hummer? No. No, no, not even close. Um I think I wanted one in 6th grade when they were like new. Like that's when new. yeah. Maybe maybe when it was a brand new thing. It's like, oh, I can drive like a tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then as I grew up, I was like, why, why, no. Yeah, and um, do you remember prom? Yes. Uh, I, you probably I, don't remember prom, right? You weren't, I, were you even there? I, I was there. Which prom? Okay. Senior prom, junior prom? Yeah, yeah, the one where you were prom king, big boy. Okay, yes, I do. Anyway, so Luke drove his mom's Hummer. Uh, he was in our prom group, obviously. He uh-huh. drove his mom's Hummer to prom. Uh-huh. I don't know why I remember that. Uh-huh. I just thought it was like a lot. It was obnoxious. I was in my mom's Maxima. <laughs> I was in a Kia Sportage. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you were the one riding up in real style with your girl. Yeah, of of course. Of course. Jesus Christ. Kia Classic Sportage. Caleb. Yeah. That's so Caleb. Just that... had to show us all up. Yes, in the red fucking Kia Sportage. You know, it was called Patriot Red. The that Sportage was a 2000 going on a tangent here. That ta- that uh Sportage was a 2002 Sportage. So obviously it happened right after 9/11. And um Kia was doing this thing so it was like red, white and blue Sportages and it was like Patriot Red, like Freedom Blue. I don't remember what the white one was, but it was nice, man. Stuff you're like, like you're like a you know, a modern day Homelander essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minus hey, the murder. It was his idea to wear the flag instead of a red cape. <laughs> true, true. Still, I was wrong on that one. Mm-hmm. Butcher reveals what he has found to Rainer, teasing her with a sample of Compound V. Billy issues a list of demands, including that his team receive a salary, an office, and her word that Homelander be prosecuted. Rainer admits that she can meet all of his demands, with the exception of, of course, prosecuting Homelander. Rainer feels that pushing Homelander too hard will result in thousands of deaths. Um, fun She's fact right. real quick. Uh, we'll talk about that. Butcher asks Rainer for office space in Manhattan's Flatiron Building, the same landmark building where the boys have their office in the comic books. And if you don't know what the Flatiron Building is, it's it was the Daily Bugle and the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. That, that's, nice. the, that's the Flatiron Building. Um, Love it. But, yes, so... What did you say? She was. She's right. Obviously, like that would happen if anybody tried to actually prosecute Homelander. Who would he kill? He would go off the rails. Every. He would just go on a murder spree. Yeah. What do you mean? I mean, he would kill. Oh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm. I'm trying to. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. I like it. You're welcome. Um, um, I like the tit for tat. Yeah, but wouldn't that like kind of diminish his whole hero thing if he just starts killing millions of people? Well, yeah. Obviously, but we know his true nature. He's not going to go to jail. You don't think Vought would? I I mean, yes, no. He's he never going to be part of Vought anymore at that point. But I was going to say, I don't think it would get that far because Vought would just pull some legal legalese shit and just like 
make it go away anyway, even if they tried to prosecute. Sure. I mean, if, if yes, I mean, Vought probably has the pull to do something like that, but mm-hmm. in the event that that didn't work, mm-hmm. he'd just start killing he people. He would murder thousands of people. Hmm. Well, like he's the type of guy who would kill everyone and go to Mars. Uh, I was going to say, or after, kill everyone on Earth and just have it be him and Maeve. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, after he killed those thousands of people, do you think he would just rule or do you think he would just like fuck off? I think it's more, it's probably more likely that he would do an injustice Superman and want to rule. Like mm. he'd be Earth's dictator. That was that my point. thought. I think, yeah, I feel like that's the most likely. Yeah. We see the video for Starlight that Vought has spliced together. Queen Maeve apologizes to Starlight. Um, so yeah, they've, they like, we don't need to film you anymore. We've spliced together this whole shebang from all of her uh, previous appearances that we've seen. They've got like this voiceover going for her. Um, and she she doesn't look like she likes it very much, right? It's it's kind of using her words in a it's it's propaganda. That's all it is. Right, right. Which is kind of par for the course. Yeah, exactly. Frenchie reveals that he is there for the female, but is willing to take her to the airport if it is what she wants. However, the female holds Frenchie's hand, admitting that she wants to stay with him. She doesn't do this verbally, obviously. It's just kind of a feeling. Butcher arrives, revealing that Rainer has refused to authorize his demands. He believes that they don't need Rainer, but can take down Vought by themselves. And we see Butcher kind of lie here, right? He says, yeah, she didn't give in to our demands. No, she gave in to all of them except the one demand that you really wanted. Right, right. And it, But, I mean, that's the thing that matters the most to Butcher at the end of the day. Right, like he doesn't care about... All that other shit. He does. It seems like he doesn't really care about the team in the sense like he he's just using them to get further his agenda. Yeah. Right. I mean, this whole thing, the boys started in the first place because of his vendetta. Right. And that's what it's always been about. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I picked up on in the scene with Frenchie and the female where she holds his hand. Mm-hmm. So they're watching Shark Week, right? <laughs> and it's um. It's, it's Shark Week right now, by the way. I would not have known this if I. What? I said it's Shark Week right now, by the way. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, shout out Shark Week. Shout out Discovery Channel, Animal Planet. Mm-hmm. Big fans of the show. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do without you guys and sharks in general. Love you. Um, so I would not have known this if I didn't have the subtitles on, but in the moment where Frenchie is telling the female, like, I'll take you to the airport if you want to, and then she you know, looks over at him and she's like, nah, we don't have to do all that. She holds his hand. Mm -hmm. The commentary of the shark show that they're watching says, um, before she holds his hand, it's talking about the black tip reef shark and it's like mating ritual with the female and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then whenever he talks about the airport and she turns and holds his hand, the commentary on the show says, and the female at this point, like returns the gesture and accepts the male for this, this and that. Wow. And it, it just seems like that's on purpose. Oh, of course. That's but that's like ninety, probably ninety eight percent of people are not going to pick up on that. So that's a good right, catch because they didn't have the subtitles on, and they're yeah. not as smart as me with my big smart smart brain. Big smart smart brain, very very smart. Um, but no, that's a good catch, and uh, that's a nice touch. It's another nice touch. Another nice touch. So many of them. Mesmer meets with Homelander, revealing spy cam photos of Huey and the boys. He says that all he wants is a good word at Vought. However, Homelander leaves without promising him anything. Um, we also learn here that his daughter didn't really want to see him. She was just being polite because he's on the phone uh, with the what is it, the social worker uh, telling mm-hmm. her that he doesn't 
he uh, she doesn't have to bring the daughter on anymore but right. um yeah this this mesmer guy sucks he does but we got a, a funny homelander quote and eh, golly gee shucks what makes you think i would give two fucks about that <laughs> i just when he's like yeah me and a train i know him from this movie back in the day right we still keep in touch right golly okay. gee shucks what makes you think i give two fucks <laughs> ah great ah love an asshole love a good asshole I'm just going to move on. Huey. Another, honestly, just another nice touch, really, at the end of the day. <laughs> another nice touch. Huey and Starlight sit at a bar talking about their possibility, the possibility of leaving New York together. The two kiss, but are interrupted by Butcher, who introduces himself to Starlight. Butcher questions what Translucent is up to with the aim of making Huey uncomfortable and weary of Starlight. Um, I have a note here for you. It says, Clay, you're right. Whenever he starts to think about giving up the mission or falling for Starlight, he sees Robin. Mm-hmm. And I was going to comment on that just now, too. Oh, well, there you go. You don't have to. I, I wrote Thanks it in the for, note. Clay, you're right. Thanks for squaring that away for me. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, he, still, he still knows the mission, but mm-hmm. it's this, this balancing act with his feelings towards Starlight mm-hmm. and knowing that she's not one of them. Right. But then there's Robin. But then he kisses Starlight right after that. He does. So it's almost like he makes a choice. I was going to say, it's like, is he like fully off the mission maybe or fully invested in Starlight uh, where he's like, okay. Because his friend earlier told him Robin would want him to move on, right? So maybe that kind of resonated with him and and had something to do with this. It definitely did. I mean, that resonated with him. And then what Butcher told him resonated with him as well about remember Robin like mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Becca 24 like, 7 right remember Robin this is the mission right so I think he it, both of those things are still are still there for him obviously yeah I don't think he's made like he made a choice in that moment but I don't think he's made like a like an overarching choice about what he's going to do yet sure I also have butcher is such a piece of shit here Billy is just looking at the world in black and white and us versus them obviously um yeah I mean he, he he doesn't see like the potential of starlight because he thinks it's literally just soups versus um humans i guess um well soups versus him at least well yes but i mean him he well, but we least. think he's soups versus everybody we see that in the uh the anonymous meeting what is it? the acds meeting um, when he's like, right. you guys should all be pissed. Like, what the fuck? You're over here fucking stroking each other's dicks, not doing whatever, blah, 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 you know, butcher well, stuff. Um, what's the marketing guy's name? Seth. Nobody was stroking his dick. It, he doesn't have fun anymore. What, right. what does, how does, I don't, how, what, I'm con, <laughs> like, I'm malfunctioning over here because I'm just like, what does that look like? How Penalized. does that, how does he, pee, does he have to have like a coloscopy bag or like, um, what's his day to day like when he gets, when I get up in the morning, I take a piss. What does he do? I think he takes a piss, but it's how it's a different kind of piss. I don't know how he probably, there's probably just a straw like shoved in there. We'll go with that. It's like a, a catheter, straw. a catheter. Oh, a bendy. no, no, no. Like a, an actual bendy straw. Not like a silly straw. Okay. A silly straw, like a, a curly one. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's how the episode ends with um, Butcher coming in, being a dickhead, um, basically threatening, not threatening, but kind of making Huey uneasy and and kind of getting him, trying to get him back on the mission and being like, hey, you know, your girlfriend's going to be real angry when she finds out you killed Translucent and all that shit. Yeah, and he says, 
oh, when I kill Trent, or when she finds out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that was kind of like, a, that was almost a threat there. Right. And really, he was just there to make a point. Right. But yeah, that's uh, episode six, The Innocence. We got a, that was a, I mean, that's a decent amount. We got, I, we're get, we got two episodes left. So like some of this stuff has to start coming together, right? Right. In the, um, the realization that Vought was basically making supervillains was pretty big in this one. Like yes. That's going to be something that, that we'll see more of going forward, obviously. Right. Um, and this, this whole soups in the military is, is kind of the main mission for Vought in this whole season. Mm-hmm. And that's just like the biggest move that they've made behind the scenes, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so we thank you once again, as we always do, for joining us on this episode of Masters of the Cultureverse. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at masters.cultureverse. And we will see you on Monday with a main episode where we break down all the pop culture news so you don't have to. I'm Caleb. That's Clay. We'll see y'all later. Bye.